have needs and desires and seek to discover our own erotic journey, you've come to the right place. This is Seek, Discover, Create with Lexi Silver, presented by SDC. In the next hour, we're here to answer your burning questions about relationships, sexuality, and health from the leading sex experts and professionals. Now, here is your host, Lexi Silver. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to SDC Presents Seek, Discover, Create. I'm your host, Lexi Silver. And as usual, we have a very lectual show for you today. We're going to be talking about relationships, specifically polyamorous and other types of ethical non-monogamy. So I'm excited to introduce my guest today, Tallulah Love and Q, an incredible duo who have been married and practicing consensual non-monogamy for over a decade. Today, we're going to discuss how to start and have polyamorous relationships, how to cope with jealousy and potential conflict in polyamory, how a relationship can work when one partner's sexual desire differs from that of their partners, and much more. And of course, later in today's show, I'll be answering some questions from you, the audience, during my Letter Selexi segment. If you want me to give you some lectual advice with the bonus help of my special guest or guests each week, write in to me at Lexi at SDC.com and connect with me on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Lexi Silver. That's Lexi with an I, Silver with a Y. Now, before we start our chat with Tallulah and Q, I want to thank our sponsor, SDC.com, your and my expert source of exclusive information about sex, health, and relationships, where you can also access the world's largest lifestyle dating platform. Use my special promo code 7070 to get two months free at SDC.com. That's 7070 to get two months free at SDC. So get ready to fearlessly embrace your lectuality with Tallulah, Q, and I. Let me tell you a little bit more about my special guest today. Tallulah Love is a burlesque performer, teacher, and yoga instructor. She's also the co-owner of Metropolitan Studios, a dance and movement space dedicated to female empowerment and body positivity. Q is the track director for the alternate history track at DragonCon and an occasional MC DJ. Both Tallulah and Q have been married and practicing ethical non-monogamy for over 10 years. I first met these two at Sex Down South in Atlanta this past September, and they had an intriguing workshop in which they got really personal and talked about how their polyamorous relationship works for them. And we're going to get personal with them again today. So welcome to my show, Tallulah and Q. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, thank you so much for having us. Yeah, I really appreciate it. That, uh, that, that Sex Down South conference was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just love those, those folks that put that on. So it's, uh, it's always a good time. Me too. I love it. That was my second year. And I think every year it gets better. And uh, kudos to Marla and the whole team. Honestly, some of those workshops have just been so enlightening, including yours. And that's why I wanted to have you today and let my audience benefit a little bit if they didn't get a chance to attend your workshop at Sex Down South. It's the beauty of podcasting. Yes. <laughs> travel in their pajamas. Yep. Yes. And considering you've done a, a good chunk of episodes here, I'm fairly certain that you're Listeners will will uh, definitely outnumber our our panelists that we had at the time. <laughs> Early in the morning on a Thursday. Yeah, Thursday <laughs> morning at ten. A. The fact that we had a pretty good like set of people at Thursday morning at ten a.m. It was. Very impressive. And you you being there is one of the highlights, by the way. Oh, thanks. I was very fortunate to meet you both that day. So let's have everyone else meet you. And I guess let's start with maybe the most fun thing that I love asking people in relationships is how did you two meet? 
Okay, so I'm not <laughs> sure how many listeners of yours are horrible nerds, but if Probably they're interested a lot. <laughs> in, uh, uh, you know, actually talking about sex and not just repressing it, odds are they're at least tangentially nerdy. So when I say that we met at a LARP, I probably don't need to explain that it stands for live action role playing, but I just did anyway. But yeah, we met at a LARP. <laughs> Because we're nerds. We are. Um, and it, I was just trying the thing out. and uh, I'd been there for many, 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 too many years. And uh, Yeah, and Q, <laughs> Q basically over a long period of time showed me the ropes of how to be a really good player. And uh, the rest is, as they say, history. We were friends for a long time. Okay, let's, let's oh, hold on a second here. <laughs> if, if by friends, what she means to say, and she's being very kind to me, uh, she had it in her head that we were a match. I, however, was a dumb boy of 20-something <laughs> years old. So I did this thing where here, here I am, this 20-something-year-old kid, uh, and I had a be- like a great friend who was also great in bed, and I was petrified of screwing that up. So I refused to date her for like a year and a half. We could bang, but we can't date. We ended up even like living together, and I would still tell everybody just friends. Nobody believed you because that's the dumb things you do when you're like 23 or something. Oh my God. Well, you seem to have evolved from there because now you, you know, you're married. So there must have been a lot of in-between stuff than you finally realized. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, that was me at 23 and uh, your your listeners, I don't know when this will get released, but uh, on Sunday (laughs) was my 40th birthday. Oh, happy belated. Happy belated. um, Well, actually your birthday was Tuesday. Oh, sorry. My birthday was technically yesterday, but I'm considering (laughs) it on Sunday because this woman over here totally surprised the heck out of me with this great party i hate birthdays and i had to eat december kid i'm a december kid so like me and birthdays not usually a thing but i'm (laughs) eating crow because it was fantastic um but suffice it to say when i finally came around uh i basically looked at her and i went well i guess we're gonna get married now um we still had a two-year engagement because again we were in our 20s and we both had parents that had been divorced multiple times, so we wanted to give it some time. And uh, pretty much right away, she had uh, informed me that this would not be a, a traditional relationship. I, however, was not fully prepared for what that meant. <laughs> I but, knew what that meant, just like I knew what oh, no, yeah, she, together. She meant. had the roadmap from like day one. <laughs> I, I'm the one that was like following along with the flashlight going, where the heck am I? Um, so I had a romance with no street names, so and and that's the thing is that like I I knew that I didn't want a traditional monogamous marriage, but I didn't have the vocabulary at the time. I just knew that I wanted to be with him forever, but I didn't want that. I didn't want him to be my end all be all of everything because I feel like uh, I I always said I don't want sex to be a commodity. Mm-hmm. Um, in my relationship and so um, that evolved over time it started out with us swinging and then yeah we tried swinging uh, but both of us were like we were I doing mean, it wrong it it's a jo- it I'm joking I'm joking we were genuinely I, wanting to have relationships with the people that we were sleeping with mm-hmm. um, and, the, and that the was impossible cu- yeah yeah the swinging culture <laughs> at the time 
Uh, you mind you, this was the early. I mean, I, I, I've I've listened to a lot of swingers nowadays on podcasts, mm-hmm. and I think swinging culture over the past ten years has changed. Okay. But this was like 12, 13, 14 years ago. Um, People looked like, at us like we were crazy. Yeah, we yeah. Were the whole, saying, like, whole notion well, can of we going just go out to yeah, dinner. Yeah, like <laughs> having a dinner date with a couple we were considering swinging with was like almost a taboo mm-hmm. um oh, and really? so felt a little like down here anyway I mean, yeah we're in atlanta so like uh well i mean again at the time who knows it could be totally different nowadays anyway. it's i mean being a swinger myself it is more common i think for people to you know meet have a drink go for dinner or whatever uh you know when it's couples meeting each other so you're still gonna have your whole you know meeting at a sex club kind of thing and then whatever happens happens you know cool but yeah typically there is some kind of inter interaction that happens initial meet and greet thing yeah that was that's no that but, was even, culture, yeah, but, like, but even yeah but even like regularly after, yeah like, like regular we wanted to have outs. like let's spend christmas together or and like let's yeah. do things together. or let's like get a yeah. you know it just wasn't we, we had a lot of bad luck with that and then mm-hmm. i met someone and i fancied him muchly and i said <laughs> i would like to date him and i'm pretty sure his wife is not interested in dating you I am also not very interested in dating her, although I wouldn't be opposed to it because I am, I do identify as a bisect pansect. I'm still deciding. <laughs> not straight. Um, and she is queer. I am queer. Um, I feel comfortable with that identifier, but. Um, I like that. It's nice and generic. Yeah, it is. Um, and so, um, so yeah, it was one of those things where like, I just fancied somebody and they fancied me. And so the time, like, again, we still were, didn't know what poly was. We were real young. I just thought it was open. I was yeah, like, yeah. I want to open this up a little yeah, more. Than so we called it an open marriage it. at first. You're pointing out something that I think a lot of people are struggling with these days is that terminology for whatever it is that they're experiencing. So you said you started with swinging. So, you know, what I consider swinging is something different than what maybe other people consider swinging because their understanding of what a swinger is is different than my experience of being a swinger. And people who have different experiences might think of it in different ways. For example, myself and my partner swing separately as well as together. In the swinger community, it is more unusual for people to swing completely separately, where people who are in a couple tend to do things together. Moving on, to open could mean a whole bunch of different things, right? Yeah. And then, you know, you said, you you know, like you didn't know what polyamory was at the time, but you knew you were open-minded to, you know, the option of being in relationships with other people. I think there are a lot of people out there right now who are struggling with the definition of whatever it is that their life or relationship looks like. Well, I mean, to be fair to most everybody, ourselves, present company included, we're not academic scholars of sex research. Like, we all have other things that we do and even if we were we would be a very small fish in a very small pond compared to the wealth and heap of (laughs) heteronormative monogamous normative culture and academia and like scholarship and therapy and everything else so all the terminology isn't just new relatively speaking but it's also evolving when when i was how when we were just getting together if you would have told me that by the time i was 40 we would be calling it lgbtqia and not just the lgb community like we didn't even have the t at the end like it, it just keeps evolving and changing which is great that is the whole point but i definitely get the confusion and the way i like to do it um particularly with some of the terminology i 
use for myself being um, like demisexual and, you know, kinky and poly and, and everything else. I, I, you know, I even put it on a, a dating profile and just said I was a like a cis male demisexual polyamorous kinkster. And if you don't have to look any of those up on Google, we're in good shape. You know, and like <laughs> that was my opening line. Uh, it's kind of pretentious, I know, but still. Forgot hipster. Oh yeah, total hipster, yeah. But the terms are, I use those things, but at the same time, the thing to remember is that we can use any term that we want that we feel like we can identify with, but you should never feel like trapped or limited or boxed in by it. Yes. Like, for you, being a swinger is what being a swinger is to you. It's your experience. Just because somebody else says it's not, that should never invalidate your experience or your comfort with using that term. It just means you guys are using the word differently. I mean, yeah. I personally would never use irregardless, but you know, <laughs> some people, that's up to them. I'm not going to call it. No, no, sorry. No one can use that term. It's not a, it's not a real word. <laughs> uh, but, but that's kind of how I feel about those things. It's like there are people right. I know, actually, even uh, um, in, in poly circles, there are people I know uh, that have been polyamorous for even longer than we have. And like they turn their nose up at terms like um, metamore or mm-hmm. like, I like NRE. Like I like the terms. Like mm-hmm. I genuinely find them to be helpful because having a shared language language means I don't have to explain the nuance of it mm-hmm. because if you're familiar with it we can skip that part well, and that's really it's all so it's there for nerds and yeah. I feel like that's why polyamory and stuff like that is so appealing to nerds is because there's the nuance and the language because when you play D, <laughs> listen that's like a, when no, you play that's a great D&D, point yeah like you have to know the nuance and language in order to keep up with each other and so I do believe that polyamory and stuff like that would whereas like you have people who are still identifying with older, what we would consider older terms mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. that just, that's good enough for them. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I see that a lot in, in the kink scene too, yeah. right? There's oh, a lot of the folks yeah. like in the old guard, like the leather scene, right? And they are really like, this is the hill I will die on, you know, <laughs> this means this and that means that and right. I will never hear you know and and I sit there and I'm like yeah but it's all just kink man who cares like it are, are you guys having consensual fun with no clothes on great everybody wins yeah and I you know I get that and I, I think it's important I talk a lot about labels I talk about how they can be practical for people who are using them if that's what they choose to do you also have to be two people who agree on whatever you the nuances of those specific terms right I think that's a good takeaway for folks that are even in like heteronormative monogamous relationships because I was I was talking to somebody that was really new to poly and they were saying you know like I'm really just struggling with it I don't know what's going on and I'm like well why not just observe listen kind of take the lessons and just apply it to your current monogamous relationship because you will still benefit from it yeah like, for example just clar- clarifying on terms right. and they're like well what do you mean I'm like well what's cheating mm-hmm. and they're like well what do you mean what's cheating i'm like is cheating what is what do you say is cheating and then she gave me her description like what would your partner say is cheating and she's like i i mean the same like have you talked about it Mm. no i'm like then for all you know cheating can just simply be sharing pictures with each other on facebook messenger because they're private Mm -hmm. and that's it that could be constant i mean you just don't know until you consensually agree this means this yes 
And I think that's great for everybody. I'm a big fan of monogamous relationships, provided they do it like with consent, with communication, with clarity, with understanding. If you, if both parties sit there and realize, well, you know, we thought through all these other things and it's just too much because, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of work. I mean, <laughs> joke. But, you know, if that's it, then that's great, man. You find you found something that works for each other. Yahtzee, you win. <laughs> Absolutely. The basis of what you're saying really has a lot to do with communication, which I want to talk about in a moment. So we're just actually going to take a really quick break. And when we get back, we are going to talk about jealousy and also how Tallulah and Q managed this shift in their relationship as they started to explore polyamory, the label of polyamory, if you will, from what we're talking about right now. And also some of the challenges that they encountered as they were making that shift. So for now, let me just tell you a little bit about the world's largest adult sex education education platform, sdc.com, where you can find loads of information about sex, health, and relationships. Watch videos, listen to podcasts, and read articles from professionals all around the world like Dr. Jess, Sunny Megatron, Dr. Elizabeth Sheff, John and Jackie Melfi of Open Love 101, and many more SDC contributors. As a bonus, I'll just add my name to the list because you can also find lots of lectural resources on sdc.com that I've contributed to, so you can check those out. Now, Tallulah, Q, and I were just talking about labels and making sure that you can communicate with each other to actually be on the same page about what it is that, for example, cheating might consist of. If you guys decide to explore an open relationship, what that means to each of you and making sure that you're both fully aligned on what that means to each of you. And I think that's really an important thing that not everybody thinks about when they think of even, you know, traditionally monogamous relationships. So you guys were talking about what does cheating consist of and all of that. And obviously all of this takes a fair bit of communication and in any relationship, any relationship communication is the foundation for a healthy one. So what did you guys do when you were first starting off and you were, you know, uh, sh- making the shift and getting started uh, in this whole new world of, you know, openness and trying to navigate those terms, navigate how you were feeling. I'd like to hear a little bit about, you know, that process, your journey to where you are now. Um, I think... I think that that I um, maybe at the, at the beginning kind of just assumed that we were on the same page, and I think that that was my biggest uh, mistake. Going through the whole like when I said this is not like I mean he it was literally like I remember this moment. I remember what I wasn't wearing. I remember what I was looking at. I remember exactly like, I remember so much of the detail of this moment. And if you know me at all, you know, that is very rare. (laughs) But uh, he said, so I guess we're, I guess this means that it was after a lot of drama that comes with not admitting that I was right. He says, he says to me after, after a passionate uh, couple of hours of making love says to me, ah, the twenties. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you do realize that this means that we're probably going to eventually get married. And I said, you do realize that if we do get married, it's going to be a very non-traditional marriage, right? And I think that that came like uh, I, I had been cheated on, and the thing is, is that the one thing I was mad not not by him, but by a previous um, very serious boyfriend that I had been engaged to um, had cheated on me, and I remember feeling very distinctively, I'm not mad that he cheated on me. I don't 
care. What I care about is that I was lied to. Mm. And, and I think honesty is that, I believe, in trusting the person that you're spending the rest of your life with. Those things are the most valuable to me, not whether or not my partner is putting their private parts on another person. That doesn't matter to me at all. And so just sort of like distilling that, and um, I, met, I met Q, and this particular instance happened about five years, five, ten I don't know. I don't know. Time, time is time, wibbly wobbly. Wibbly wobbly, timey wobbly. But, but what's like, funny is like that one instance though, when you were saying, you know, that's going to be an untraditional yeah. marriage. You were coming from there. And, and my immediate thought in that moment, because I remember it too, <laughs> was going, well, yeah, neither one of us are Christian. It's going to be a very non-traditional marriage. Hilarious. And that was as, <laughs> as just dense as I was at the time. That was what I thought you meant. But, you know, like without even having to ask, we started going to swingers clubs and doing uh, swingers things. And so to me, in my mind, that the natural progression of that is to be able to be open because if we're do if, if I can watch you fucking somebody, how is it different that you're fucking somebody in front of me? Like, because we had swapped partners, we had been in group dynamic situations. And like, so to me, I was like, well, what's the difference if the person's right next to me or if the person is, you know, you're on a date and you're being taken care of by another person I don't see the difference so for me I didn't see it as a big deal that was not his experience no it was not mm-hmm. it was uh, not my experience at all yeah. totally different yeah you want to mm-hmm. talk about sure um, so, so like I established I had no idea what you meant and uh, then when you were like hey let's go to these swingers clubs I was like well I just won the like the you know, fiance lottery. Sure. This sounds great. <laughs> well, to be fair, you uh, were the one doing all the research on the swingers clubs. Well, it's because you said you wanted to do something and what I do is research. I'm really good at it. Um, yeah. I never really would have ever done that otherwise. So we go to those things and it's fine. And for me, for most of my adult life, like a lot of other men, I have just a lot of insecurities and discomfort with communicating about how I'm actually feeling because I don't really even really know how to articulate it or how to talk about it, mm. especially not when I was 20 something. I just did not have that wherewithal. I was not that introspective. I was not that in tune with how I was actually feeling. You were pushing down a lot of shit. Everything was getting like repressed and pushed aside. So of course I would say, well, yeah, everything's fine. And it would get to the point where she would say, are you sure you're okay with this? And I would say, yeah, it is. No, you're not. Are you sure? I'm like, yeah, it is. It's fine. And she would keep pushing it like over and over again until finally I would, I would have to blow up and say, no, it's not okay. And just like, it would be horrible. Like when I try to tell the story to other people on our first year of opening up our, our relationship, it was, it, it goes like this for me. And you were being very good to yourself. But the reality of it is this. She went out of her way to make sure I felt like heard and seen and valued. While we definitely didn't do that great of a job clarifying terminology, mm-hmm. which could have solved some of the flare-ups. There's some big pointers um, for people. Yeah. <laughs> clarify, um, clarify, clarify. Clarifying it in advance <laughs> yes. would have saved some of it, but we're both really good at conflict resolution when we do have disagreements, right? Yeah. And that it's usually because she knows how to get me to finally realize that I'm ignoring something till I finally have to have it out. Mm -hmm. And we have it out. It's ugly. It's not fun. But at the end of it, we feel a hell of a lot better about ourselves.
about our relationship. She did a great job. She did the best she could with not knowing anything. None of, neither of us did. But I had to deal with every single toxic masculinity issue, mm-hmm. Latino male machismo <laughs> pride issue. I didn't even know I had them. I would say, yeah, go out, have fun. She would go out on a date and all of a sudden I would feel like, why do I hate this idea now? Logically, <laughs> it made perfect sense. But all of a sudden, I feel like punching something. Like, I, it, it made no sense to me. I didn't, I didn't know what was going on. And she was patient. She was kind. She let me work through all my crap. But what helped me, being a nerdy person who liked research, was reading and reading more and going to some of the meetups and interact with the community. We're really lucky in Atlanta to have a big, diverse, sex-positive community pretty much anywhere in the metro area. In there, we had a lot of different resources. So I learned about oh, Polly. And podcasts. And yeah, no, Polyamory Weekly was great. Um, like Savage Lovecast is fantastic. It's still, yeah. like, they're both great shows still. I still listen to them both. It was hard, man. Like before her, I had never been in a relationship and felt jealous. Even when like, I even had a relationship with someone who was, who also had her first name prior to her, which was one of the other reasons. I had caught her in my own bed with somebody else. Not me, the other one. The other, uh-huh. the other relationship. <laughs> this was back when I was in college. And I didn't even feel jealous. I just felt like hurt. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, this is over. And it was just, that was it. Like mm-hmm. jealousy is not something I'm used to feeling. And to have to like sit with it and then uh, slowly break it down and realize what I was jealous about wasn't her. It wasn't anything she had done because she had done everything possible to make sure I was okay. Mm-hmm. At the heart of it, it was me. And jealousy is different for everybody, really. Like it really is, but it requires you even no matter what the situation, to own your own shit. Like, you got to sit there and go, how much of this is my own insecurity? And how much of this is me feeling like I'm not getting what I need? And I mean, this is going to be horribly generalizing, but it's just because of my own experience, I am fortunate enough to have women in my life that are really good about articulating their needs. Mm -hmm. Like, my partner here, like my nesting partner, my lovely darling wife, she's fantastic at it. And most everybody that I am friends with that are women in my life are also fairly good with it. The ones who aren't, I'm honestly not friends with anymore. So there you go. That's a skill that I think we as we as men generally need to do a lot better of a job with. And that's the thing that I really love about ethical non-monogamy regardless of what flavor you're doing, the more you really work on it, the more you're really working on yourself and just being a better about figuring out what it is I actually need to be happy. I think you're really nailing something there because there are a lot of different themes that are just interconnected here. So you're talking about, you know, toxic masculinity, the inability to express how you're feeling, to even accept within yourself that, oh man, I'm feeling all of these emotions. And then also, you know, not being able to, at the time without prompting, be honest about what it was that you were feeling. So you were like really burying a lot of stuff. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that repression, obviously it's got to come out somewhere, right? You know, and it could build a lot of resentment. And I think that is a super common thing that happens in consensually non-monogamous relationships when people don't talk to each other about what is going on. And it could be anyone in the couple. It doesn't really matter. Anyone in however many people are in the relationship, but being able to firstly address that within yourself and recognize, have that self-awareness that I'm experiencing these emotions and then realizing it's okay that I'm experiencing these emotions because they're just emotions. And then, okay, now what am I going to do with these emotions? How am I going to express them to my partner? 
partner or my partners? How am I going to navigate through this in a healthy and positive way? Because just because you're feeling jealous or angry or whatever, it doesn't mean those are bad things. And it doesn't mean that they can't be turned into a positive learning experience to change the way you're either reacting to things or the way the relationship is in terms of supporting a positive flip on those emotions. Right. And the thing is, is that I really believe that the only, the only thing you can control in this world is how you feel about things. Mm-hmm. You can't control your partner. And I, I believe like as we've Relationships grown, have died that have proven that to be true. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I mean, the thing is, is that I feel like um, people who have been doing polyamory for a long time or any ethical non-monogamy for a long time realize that putting rules on your partner is absolutely the, the nail in the coffin or at least one of the nails in the coffin because you cannot control another human being. You can only control how you feel. And I feel like a lot of people put a lot of rules on relationships and how they function because they can't control what's going on inside of themselves. Mm. You you nailed it there, I think, in that early on when we were trying various forms of of non-monogamy, we did the rules. We had certain rules that we had established and then it would be a question of enforcement and what's going on with that and what's going on with that. Rules would be broken and then broken again, and then broken again. And eventually we got to a point where we both kind of landed on that same spot where we realized that our rule, like rules aren't, aren't serving us at all. Mm-hmm. And it's really about what are your boundaries and what are my boundaries? And let's figure those out. And then we can find the points where they line up. Well, also, I think rules are important at first so that you can establish a kind of trust and also a conversation around things, especially when you realize just how unimportant that rule was to you. And that was the other part I was going to get to there is is both with the rules and with what, Lexi, you were talking about earlier about identifying those emotions and realizing what they're coming from. Both of those things require like a lot of like looking at yourself in the mirror. Mm -hmm. And I think if just doing that and like seeing it for what it is, like it's one thing to have people like tell it to you on a show. It's another thing to actually be in the moment and be able to like take that pause and that breath and see it. And like, that's a huge chunk of the work. Like that really is at least 50% of the hard work right there. Everything else after that point is easier, like, <laughs> including with rules. It's, it's about forcing that conversation. I jokingly call them poly training wheels for a reason. It's like, <laughs> You know, they're okay. Don't beat yourself up because you've got rules in your relationship. Maybe rules right now are what you need. Mm-hmm. But like anything, those things will change. Don't think anything is absolute. Well, it's like you said earlier, don't put yourself in a box that limits you just because that's how it used to be done. If it's time to mm-hmm. move, once you realize that something doesn't serve you anymore, it's time to let it go. But you also have to have that reassessment conversation. It's hard work, like having to come back to everything and have that conversation with yourself or with your partner or with all of your partners over and over and over again is exhausting. But it's a lot, of yeah. a lot of talking. A lot of talking. A lot of talk. I know exactly what you mean. And uh, I actually want to delve into that a little bit deeper in a second because I think it's really important to talk about the evolution of things and how, you know, relationships are very fluid and things can change and that you need to adapt to your partner and the changing situations and make sure that it's, you know, you're both on the same page, which is a huge challenge. It obviously takes a lot of energy. But I really do want to get a little bit deeper into that right after this. But first, 
I want to invite all of you sexy globetrotters to fulfill your wanderlust with SDC Travel, where you can enjoy an adventure with other like-minded open couples. Check out our annual trip to Greece, where we'll be lavishing in the sun on the vibrant island of Crete. Indulge in the all-inclusive luxury event resort in the Mediterranean, where you can eat, drink, bear your skin, swim, and play like Greek gods and goddesses. If you're seeking adventure and the erotic allure of hidden coves, naked beaches, and our SDC theme parties and playrooms, join us this May 2020 for our SDC takeover of Crete. Book your rooms now at sdc.com slash travel. Now, before we get to our letters to Lexi, I have a few more questions for Tallulah and Q. And we were just talking about communication and how that is such an important thing. And talking to your partner about renegotiating potential rules or boundaries, the way I see relationships and the way I see, you know, the world and sexuality in general is everything is fluid. So, you know, things can't stay the same forever. You're going to change. Your partner could change. Your relationship together can change. external scenarios could potentially change that could have an effect on you individually and as a couple. So it is normal to, to not just take for granted that if you have a discussion once at the beginning of, for example, entering the world of ethical non-monogamy, it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, a few months later, a few years later, that you don't have to have that conversation again, that you don't have to continuously check in. You do. You need to continuously check in with your partner and make sure that whatever it was that you agreed upon previously is still working for you both. And if you notice that something is not working for you, that you've established a rule that is no longer practical or you have a boundary that you know you want to push a little bit more that is something that merits a discussion with your partner so what I'd like to know from you is as you were having these discussions and you know you mentioned there was a lot of conversation what were some of the things that you did well in terms of communicating to each other like how to negotiate these boundaries or and so what are some of the things that you wish you could have improved upon if you had more information at the time I'm going to I'm going to ask you I'm going to ask you uh Tallulah a a very drilled down specific one here. Okay. So if you recall one of the earlier times when I started dating and I uh learned that I was not so good about giving you attention while I was going through NRE, I would like to think you did a really good job of telling me what a bonehead I was. <laughs> so can you explain to me like like what was that process of going from I'm seeing a problem to How should I talk to him about this in a way that will be constructive to the actual conversation? I don't know that the first conversation I had with you was that constructive. Uh I mean, I mean, and maybe we remember it differently, but I, um, I remember, I don't like, I've never really thought of myself as having jealousy, like blind jealousy. It was always sort of a, I feel uncomfortable right now. (laughs) (laughs) And it's your fault. (laughs) Probably threw a temper tantrum once or twice at the very beginning. And but at that point, even then I articulated when you are having NRE, these are the things I need. And honestly, like temper tantrums seem to get through to you better than most things. So Um. (laughs) yeah, yeah. Like blunt blunt force drama to the head, I think is exactly (laughs) what I need right there. Yeah. Yeah. And that'll work. And so, um, so yeah, I just, honestly, I think uh, it's not that NQ likes to say that I'm super great at all of these things, but to be honest, it really is one of those things where I saw from the very beginning that he understood my form of communication. 
really, really well. Mm-hmm. And, and when I would say something, he understood it. Not only did he understand what I was saying, but he also understood the nuances around it. And the thing is, is that I'm really blunt and not many people can stand that, especially, you know, I'm from the South and, and people have a tendency to be very flowery and bless your hearty about things. And that is definitely <laughs> not my style. Um, and so I had a lot of trouble getting people to understand that when I said what I said, I meant what I said. There was absolutely nothing around that that was being shitty, no nuance nor string attached to anything that I just said. The thing that I really attracted me to Enrique is that he genuinely understood my way of communicating. And so that's really gotten us very far in, in all yeah, of our Yeah, we both speak very directly, yeah. but you speak Q very well. Uh, so <laughs> Learning how to say, when, when you say this, it sounds like you are saying that. I need you to make sure that that is what you actually mean was probably the best. 99 times out of 100 by phrasing it like that, yeah. which is she does that all the time. <laughs> I'm just like, whoa, I totally didn't mean it like that. Let me try another way. And that helps immensely. But I will talk about the time that communication really kind of broke down. For me, when he actually said, I am no longer interested in sex. Hmm. Yeah, that was a big one. That took, I mean, that took a lot of conversation. Oh, man. That because took- I didn't understand. Like, it did not compute. It was one of those things where, like, there was, he would say it, and it was almost like I had white noise happening in my ears because, <laughs> because like 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 I said when we first were together sex all the time it was weird if we didn't have sex at least two times a day and then we had the swingers clubs oh, and we were 20s. doing all the all the things <laughs> but honestly when you started no, even cracking, when it, you know even when it started to slow down you were having problems I was but the thing is is that when I, th- I feel like the nut really cracked when we started getting language around polyamory yeah. Because yeah. you actually started exploring the feelings and the shame and the and going to therapy. And then you realized that yeah. this was a lot of coping mechanisms and you performing. Yep. That was a lot of it. That whole thing was I had a, a two and a half years like other relationship. She and I had been married for a good bunch of years at that point. And I went to my doctor and I was like, look, I've got a gorgeous girlfriend, an amazing wife, and zero desire to sleep with either of them. There's obviously something wrong with me. Mm. Um, and so I insisted on a, on a testosterone test. And uh, my doctor was like, I mean, I'll do it, but you may want to consider depression. And I was, of course, living in denial, which isn't just a river in Egypt. Um, and uh, he then said, look, you know, are you uh, quick to anger? I'm like, I'm Latino. Next question, please. <laughs> and he goes, are you uh, feeling overwhelmed? I'm like, oh, man, how much time you got? I got a lot of things that I do. And uh, he was like, all right, we're in a new direction here. Are you doing these things out of obligation or are you doing them because they make you genuinely happy? And I was just like, oh, okay. Mm. And he was like, and he was like, all right, well, do you feel like the sleep that you're getting lately is restful? And I'm like, hmm, come to think of it, no. Yeah, mm-hmm. all right, keep going. And he just kept going. And I finally had to like come to terms with it and, I, and you know, looked into it. And I realized that my coping mechanisms of my 20s were no longer serving me in my 30s mm-hmm. and started working on it. And the more I worked on it, the more I realized I needed help. And like seeing a therapist later on turned into also seeing a psychiatrist. And between finally actually unpacking my anxiety, like general anxiety disorder and depression. And between all of that, for those that just don't deal with that chronically, um, 
The symptoms for both are a decreased sexual drive, fun, um, and the medications they give you for it, side effect is low sex drive. Mm. So it's a lose-lose. And I realized that the sex I was doing, I think you nailed it. Performative is the right word. It's like because you were expected to. Yeah, it's because it was something I was good at. I looked at it like a skill. I was not really present and focused in the moment most of the time. I would be thinking, okay, all right, I'm going to do this. Then I'm going to go down on her. And it last for all, like, wait at least one or two orgasms. Then uh, after that, I'm going to do this. And then, I, I mean, I was literally planning it mm-hmm. out in my head and not actually being there. Mm-hmm. So when I finally realized that that was not being genuinely intimate. I had to sit there and tell her, like, I really don't think I want to have sex. Not not with you, not with anybody. Like, I think I'm going to take a break for a while. Mm -hmm. And and when he finally came back from the doctor and that was the conversation, that's when I kind of like was like, oh, okay, okay. Well, yeah, no, one of the things that really helped me is figuring out, well, first of all, that I wasn't alone. Mm -hmm. Um, Finding out there was this big chunk of people that identify as asexual. And asexuality, like a lot of sexuality, exists on a spectrum. You have, on one extreme side, folks that are asexual that have no feelings of romantic desire, like no need for emotional intimacy, as well as no sexual desire. Then you have folks on the extreme other end of the spectrum that are hypersexual and or hyperromantic. And both of those spectrum pieces don't even have to be aligned at all. Mm-hmm. Be incredibly sexual, but have zero desire for emotional connections. And the exact opposite is just as equally true. Mm-hmm. Um, and demisexual is just simply a term that is kind of got a foot in each world. I feel like I am totally on board with all the emotional intimacy, the romance, the feeling of love that need to like cuddle and hold hands and be physically touching and holding and being with my partner, I just don't feel a need for like the messy sex stuff part. It's not to say I never do. I do occasionally, which for me, when that happens, it's like amazing, like a fireworks show in my head. I don't know how else to put it other than that. What changes have you had to make in your relationship to accommodate each other's intimacy and, and your needs? So I'm a yoga instructor too. And a big part of yoga is compassion. Mm-hmm. I understand if not in an empathic way, then in a just a sympathetic way where he's coming from and why he is where he is. Do I miss the sex part? Sure. But then too, like we're poly. So the beauty of being poly is that if I need to get that particular itch scratch, then I'll go somewhere else. But the thing is, is that again, if you're going to say on one hand, I will not commodify sex and sex will not be the definition of my happiness in this relationship, then it has to be on the other side of that as well. That Mm -hmm. if the sex is not there anymore, is that going to define the relationship? No, it's not. And so I just kind of had to, as a Libra, I like to balance things (laughs) out. I had to see both sides of that. He hates it when I do that. I do. Only do that to dig him. He hates astrology. Um, But but I do, regardless of whether or not you believe in astrology, I do have a very good way of just seeing both sides of things. And it was one of those things, once we had that relation, that conversation around why, the why of things. Yeah, the why of things. It's that is very important to me is knowing the why of things. And then it became then a conversation that I had with myself. Well, okay, if sex is off the table, which it has been for probably around two years now, if sex is off the table, what do I need to fulfill myself? And for us, it's definitely I have to be a priority list once a week, at least. 
mm-hmm. like where you don't have your cell phone, where you and I have, have physical contact with one another, where we have a conversation. If I say, I need you to put your phone down, you will put it down. Like, mm-hmm. um, so those kinds of things. And I try very hard not to abuse those unless I'm feeling particularly bratty that day. That series of conversations we had, it really clicked in when you got to that point and you were like, these are the things I need. And what you did as well that I just adore is that even after we got to that point and we both kind of like clicked in, we got an agreement. When I had my own anxiety moments and I was just breaking myself down in my own head that I'm just not doing everything right or it's everything's wrong and it's a disaster. You're really good at saying like, "Hun, don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. I've been over this. This is okay. Your reassurance that the communication that we have is still like going strong and everything's well and everything's right. It makes the panic voices in my head go away. Right. And I think a huge, uh, another huge thing for me when we were um, going through this is reading love languages. Oh, yeah, I mentioned that in the panel. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing what my love language was helped me articulate what I really needed, which is um, undivided attention. And so quality time. Quality time. Yeah. I need that quality time. I need you to prioritize me for like a couple of hours once a week. And that's that's really all I needed. And and also just having him understand that yeah, I'm gonna go get laid. <laughs> like, well what's what's funny, and I don't think I've said this in And not very, to insult your like not to insult you just because I need to have this somewhere else doesn't diminish our like, No, 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 I'm not insulted at all. When we were first doing poly and you and Dennis kind of start, early part of your relationship with like, I honestly thought for a while I was doing poly wrong because I didn't feel this whole compersion thing you're supposed to feel. And I was just like, I, I'm just not. And I remember even talking to my therapist at one point about it. And, you know, she just nailed it. She was like, do you dislike him? I'm like, no, I don't dislike him at all. I think he's fine. You know, he's just not my kind of, like, I don't want to go out and have a beer with him or nothing. Mm-hmm. But he's like, fine. And she, and then she was like, you don't have to feel compersion. You just have to respect the relationship. I'm like, oh yeah, totally. There's no handbook of how to do non-monogamy. Mm-hmm. You do it in a way that works. There's no box. And That's just another box you're yeah, putting into. When we finally got to that point and you were saying, hey, I just got to go get laid. <laughs> honest to God, it was the first time I ever felt like, oh, thank God. <laughs> you felt <laughs> relief. Like, I felt such relief and I was really happy because I knew I wasn't depriving you of anything. Right. Yeah. Kind of went full circle. It's been a wild ride and it's not going anywhere anytime soon. It's like even now things are changing and being fluid because that talk we did at Sex Down South, I had mentioned that, yeah, it's been two years since we had sex, but also two years since I even thought about dating. Mm -hmm. I was like romantically, emotionally, I'm happy and fine. But, you know, the part of my life that I missed is trying to like reconnect with sexuality any way that I could. And for me, the easiest way to do it is through kink because it sort of short circuits a lot of the kind of mental block I have around sexuality. It's, a lot of that's tied to just shame and how I kind of have it in my head. I'm just working on it. It's, pro- it's a process. Mm-hmm. And, and so I just kind of said to myself, oh, I mean, what's the point? I mean, I'm this demisexual guy trying to date. Who the hell's going to go for that? Meh. And then the folks at the, at the conference were like, why the hell not? you know, go for it. What's the worst could happen? I'm like, you know, if someone else were saying that to me, I would have said the same thing. Why <laughs> am I doing this? Yeah, sure. And so I went from like not dating for two years to having three other relationships that I'm trying to figure out where they're going. And all three of them 
are completely different. Mm-hmm. Not just from my wife, but from literally anything in anywhere or anyone. And it's almost like this weird, crazy before and after scenario <laughs> where when we had started dating and being poly and open while we were like figuring things out. Mm-hmm. It was herky-jerky. I didn't quite know how to like manage my NRE. And every time there was a new girl I would kind of fancy, she would just kind of raise her eyebrow and be like, mm, so I got to worry about this one. Everyone's talking with everybody else. We are all communicating. We're all sharing the ups and downs of it all. And it's uh, like, it, it's been really great. Oh, the beauty of fluidity. Thank you for sharing that. And actually, I think that would segue perfectly into one of our letters to Lexi because somebody is in a poly relationship and are having some trouble with one of their metamors. So I definitely want to hear what you have to say about that. As usual, uh, now it is time for letters to Lexi. I'm going to give you the shameless, no bullshit answer that your friends might not have the titanium ovaries or balls of steel to tell you. No question is ever too taboo or queer or weird so don't be shy I love getting your messages so keep sending them in write to me at Lexi at SDC.com and connect with me at Lexi Silver that's Lexi with an I Silver with a Y on social media so this one's from Wesley so hey Lexi I'm in a poly relationship with two women and they are hating each other right now the jealousy between them is too much to take I told one of them the one that I live with and who I've been with for three years so his nesting partner that I would break it off with the other one but she she insists she can handle it and also sees that the other girl makes me happy. Should I break it off with the more recent relationship or give it more time for them to adjust to each other? That's it's a tough situation, but take a second, maybe have a conversation with your partner. Are you having these angry conversations in which she says, you know, no, don't do it or whatever, but she's doing that to please you? Does she actually want you to end the relationship? Do you want to end the relationship? Like, what are you getting out of that? this? That's positive. Are you in love with this other person? Is this just a sexual thing? Is it a little bit of both? Is it really new, too new to really know what's going on? A lot of variables here. Yeah, there's really, there's a lot. Did he say how long the new relationship is? No, he didn't. He just said the relationship with his nesting partner has been for three years and they live together. So... Darlin Tulula, what what would be your advice here on this one? <laughs> was Lexi done talking? About oh that? yeah, no, that's okay. Well, I mean, I think my main takeaway from this is like they need to communicate a little bit and see what's going on. I would recommend since this is a newer relationship and maybe you know that is in terms of if there is a priority as far as even you even offering to break it off with your new relationship in order to you know be content with your nesting partner. It does seem like you are prioritizing one relationship over the other. So if that is something that you are doing or that is something that you are continuing to put emphasis on, then that is your choice. But then have a conversation with her about what's going on and what she, how she actually feels in which you are both super honest with each other. I think that is like your starting off point there. And also just, I mean, thinking within yourself, like, do you really see a future if you plan to continue, you know, seeing both women? Do they ever need to even see each other at all? Like, do they need to spend time together? It doesn't sound like it, but are they also, you know, experiencing jealousy when you're apart? Is it something that is bothering you also instead, not just your partner? So there are so many variables to this. So any light that you can both shed would be great. Well, um, I've, I've been on multiple sides of this situation. And the most important thing is that we cannot speak to the women there in his life. We can't speak from their perspective. I can tell you, I, in a relationship, 
where I was the second person to come into my boyfriend's life. Mm -hmm. And the woman that he was with was abysmal to me. Oh my God. Was constantly putting rules on us, constantly interrupting our dates. It was a very traumatic situation for me. And I said, okay, you know what? I'm done. I am worth more than this. Mm -hmm. I'm not telling you to break up with her. I'm going to tell you that I do not want to be in a relationship with you when you are with her. So in that situation, I was the secondary. I'm sort of rooting for either one of Wesley's girls that one of them does that at some (laughs) point. Yeah. Again, we cannot speak for the the people who did not write in. We are speaking mm-hmm. for Wesley. So Wesley, my recommendation to you is that if you want to make, the, if you genuinely want to make them both happy and your nesting partner has given you the okay to stay with this person, you have to set your boundaries. Mm-hmm. And your boundaries are when I am with you, my nesting partner, I am with you. I promise you these things and whatever those things are, they should be definitely in conversation and consent with your nesting partner. Mm-hmm. But with that, you get these things specifically because when I am with this other person, this other person gets all of these things and you need to respect that and stand by that. And that's going to be very difficult. And that's one of the costs of living a life that is a, as a Abundant as Polly can offer. Mm-hmm. So those are that's that's my personal pieces mm-hmm. of advice. Right, that's, that's damn good. Thanks. It's like you've been on both sides of this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Having been on similar things in the various relationships, mm-hmm. what I could say is that there's a lot of assumptions here. So I'm going to go ahead and say that I will assume that he is with this new relationship for less than six months because I would like to think that if you spend half a year with somebody, that the offer to just leave somebody else would not be taken that cavalierly, which is to say also like six months or less, I'm going to assume that he is kind of has some feelings, but not a deep enough emotional connection that, you know, he would just kind of give it up. Mm -hmm. Uh, And also that all parties are aware of this non-monogamous situation. Mm -hmm. And that the jealousy has probably something to do, and I'm just going to guess here, mm-hmm. with an inequality of time and attention. Mm-hmm. Particularly when relationships are new, and if you've only really been together for three years, now take this as a caveat of, I've been with Tallulah forever. You know, three years to me is like a blip, but less than three years? Yeah, no, real new. I get it. But what she is probably accustomed to is not you on NRE brain. Mm-hmm. And NRE brain does stupid things. <laughs> so good. It, it is. It is. But it makes you so bad. It's a legit NRE brain is dumb. And so what I would challenge him to do is to ask, what is it that I am doing that is making you feel like you are uncomfortable? Is there something that I am doing that I can be doing better so that you feel more seen and more heard? If the challenge, however, is that your partners are not treating each other with respect, then that is something you need to do and figure out which one of those sides is the one that is being disrespectful and have a real real hard Mm -hmm. conversation about that. Because I've been that person in the middle and I can't express in words just how much it tears you up. Mm-hmm. The two people you really care about just can't even speak civilly about each other. And mm. all you need to ask isn't to get along. It isn't not to get along. It's just to be civil. And treat the other person like a human being. Yeah. And with compassion. That's it. 
Yeah. That's amazing advice. And thank you for actually having the ability to see that from different perspectives and different sides uh, with practical advice for everybody involved. So uh, Wesley, maybe after this, you want to ask your two girlfriends to listen to the show and maybe hear some of the things that people who have lived through these experiences um, have learned that works for them or worked for them in the past, um, maybe you'll be able to achieve something there that will work for all three of you. Who knows? Good luck. And thank you for writing in, Wesley. If anybody else has questions, if you have questions about sex or relationships, email me, Lexi at SCC.com. Find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Lexi Silver. That's Lexi with an I, Silver with a Y. So that's how you can reach me. How about the two of you? Yeah, absolutely. You can find me on Instagram and and Facebook. The main thing is uh, Metropolitan Studios is my studio in Atlanta where I teach burlesque. We also have workshops. We do a ton of uh, sex positivity workshops and the Atlanta School of Burlesque is my home and uh, I teach yoga. I teach burlesque. I teach workshops. I do all the things. So, and we're also a rentable space, queer owned women's rentable space in the community. So Atlanta, if you have a event or a place where you would like to hold a sex positivity chat, we're even doing a period uh, products packing party for your people who have period mm. or the homeless that's coming up soon. So we do clothing drives. We do all, all kinds of things and we're in East Atlanta village. That is her <laughs> uh, third relationship is the is uh, stu- studio. Yeah. Uh, and you can find that on uh, Metropolitan studios if you do the search in the Facebooks or the Instagrams. For me, the best way to find me is either at a convention or sex sex positivity conference. Atlanta metropolitan area. Mm-hmm. I exist here. Pretty much that's it. I'm also at DragonCon. It's kind of a big giant convention full of nerds. So it's a lot of fun. And Frolicon and Sex Down South. And nice. Be in Atlanta and nerdy and kinky and weird. I'll find you. (laughs) Well, I'm looking forward to seeing you both again at one or multiple of those conferences. And I just want to thank you both so much for sharing all of those stories with me. I know we got pretty, pretty personal today and I really appreciate your vulnerability. So thank you so much. And uh, for all the great tips also. Thank you so much for having us on. It was an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much. Pleasure was mine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So that's it for this week's episode, my lectual friends. Thank you all for listening. Don't forget that you can learn more about sex, health, and relationships as you seek yourself, discover together, and create moments at sdc.com. Use my promo code 7070 to get two months free at SDC and try it out for yourself. Tune in Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America's Variety Channel for my next show. And you can always download my podcast episodes on demand whenever you want them on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Google Play Music. Thanks for joining me, Lexi Silver, on Seek, Discover, Create. Until next time, stay lectual, people. Bye. appreciate you joining us on Seek, Discover, Create, presented by SDC.com. Please join your host, Lexi Silver, on another erotic journey next Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, may you enjoy exploring your sexuality. 